This is the Close the Loop Podcast, a show for business decision makers, focusing on practical steps that you can take to grow your business and how to prove that your growth came from you. Your host, Kevin Dini, a true marketing and data geek, live and virtual event speaker, and meme extraordinaire, is here to get your wheels spinning and encourage you to act on these topics. It's time to put on your marketing hat as we talk with a variety of guests, subject matter experts, and colleagues who are passionate about helping business leaders like you to succeed. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on callsource.com and read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned in the show. Hello, welcome to the Close the Loop podcast. Today we are joined by a special guest to talk about the cost of missing one call in your business. Today's guest is Tim Tran. He is the sales engineer at CallSource, so we're very familiar with each other. He works on and provides oversight for strategic projects here at CallSource and acts as an internal consultant for various aspects of the business. He is passionate about finding or providing solutions for external and internal clients, especially internal. Uh, Tim has two kids and he loves being able to spend time with his family. And when he has the time, he loves to train for endurance and obstacle events, which is pretty cool. So welcome, Tim. Thank you. And of course, we have our illustrious guests. We are joined by Matt Widmeyer. Hey, everybody. And Ron Berner. Hey, gang. Happy to be here and see you again, Tim. Good to see you too, man. So today's topic of what's the cost of missing one call in your business, there's a lot that goes into a phone call. There's a lot that goes into paying to generate one phone call on the marketing side. There's a lot that happens on the technological operational side. Maybe you're missing calls. You don't even realize it. You don't even have a chance to to recover them. And then there's the sales side, which is Missing a call because it's mishandled, missing a call because you fumbled it, missing a call because you're away from your desk. There's a lot of that. And then finally, there's a little part of that journey that's not as much paid attention to, which is the follow-up. What do you do when you do find the calls that you have missed? What do you do with them? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So to throw it over to you, Tim, uh, the question I have, why is it so difficult for businesses to respond to every single call? effectively and efficiently? Well, what's the big gap there? I think it's a pretty easy question. I think the biggest thing is that they're already handling and providing great customer service to all their people that have called in. And so sometimes that takes a lot of time and you can't get to everyone. And there's solutions and action plans that you can take to mitigate that. But in my experience, I think it's because they're already helping customers and marketing is already doing their job and getting more customers to call in. Yeah, so there's... Limited staff at most businesses that don't have unlimited. <laughs> There's uh, limited training, maybe limited resources, got limited budgets. So all these things are constraining the business. And all it really cares about is we just want to talk to the ones that want to buy from us or want to get service from us or <laughs> want to add to our bottom line. Right. So that's not exactly all the amount of callers that are coming in. Matt, did you want to add a little bit in on? the other types of callers that a lot of times businesses are getting besides those wonderful juicy prospects. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's we we get a lot of those actually. Not as many as before, but yeah, not every call that calls through is a lead, but when it is a lead, you want to make sure you get to it. 
every once in a while we have a wrong number phone call, a couple of prank calls here and there. That it happens. Every once in a while you have somebody who maybe might have a misunderstanding of what it is that we do. So they're just calling for a little bit more information. But for the most part, a lot of the calls we get are prospects. So that must be my wonderful marketing. <laughs> it hasn't always been that way. <laughs> Everybody's going to have some good and some bad, right? So Ron, do you want to comment on maybe some of the ways a business can make use of the good and the bad with maybe some marketing ideas or business ideas or anything on how to capture more or do something with those callers in those two buckets? Yeah, it's an interesting point that Tim brought up when it comes to different types of calls, because of course, my mind immediately goes to some form of lead generation, some form of sales, when the truth is there's other reasons people call. So if they already are current customers and they are calling because they need support for something that that something went wrong or something is not, they just need a better understanding of it. So there's those sorts of calls that come in, which is a really good point and really interesting because I my head immediately goes to, to lead generation and calls. It's an opportunity. And once again, as a marketing leader, it the, the effort that goes into getting that call is pretty vast, as we all know. And when we miss it, it's an opportunity that's missed. And it's and and it's not just in my mind the singular call itself. It's the it's the negative effect it has on the reputation. And that is what really from a marketing perspective, what we want to avoid because we want repeat customers. If we can't eat, if our first impression to them is call somebody else because we're too busy. You know, that can be a problem. That being said, it is pretty unrealistic to have 100% live person answering a call. Yeah, that sort of coverage is, it's pretty unrealistic for anybody. So when you do miss the calls, first of all, minimize it. But how do you make amends for it? Because you're already starting down in a negative light. Right, right. Because to your point, there's there's a lot of impressions that are left behind, right? You guys spent all the money to get the phones to ring. Someone doesn't pick up and now it's become a thing. Like every time I call this business, they don't pick up the impression that you leave behind on these people are like, Hey, I have a cell phone. I'm just going to scroll and find another competitor. I'm going to find someone else to help me with this. I think quick action. If you know, you missed a call, maybe have someone dedicated to returning those calls quickly. So that person isn't scrolling to find the next person to help them. You make a good point, Ron and Tim there about the parts of a call that could be missed. Also, the intent of the caller is a big deal, right? Uh, A caller who's not intending to do anything, maybe like Matt said, a crank caller, someone accidentally dials. There's a group of that in every business's calls, no matter what they do, right? If you're going to be out there in the market, generating leads, generating calls, prospects, interested patients, anything like that, you're going to get some good with some bad. I think that's inevitable. So, Tim, in terms of how we classify it, we use terms like bookable before we classify something as a prospect. And the bookable leg is, okay, did it even reach a person, right? Did it go to a voicemail? What happened? So could you maybe share a little bit about that first part of a call that could lead to dropping or missing calls completely before it even reaches a person or even it reaches a point where they're having a good conversation? I know one of them is getting lost in an IVR. Can you explain some of those like pre-person ways of losing phone calls? Yeah, like you you said, someone calling in and getting lost in the IVR. You're like, I don't want to talk to a robot. I just want to talk to someone right now. And they're going to hit zero or they're just going to hang up, right? There's one way. The other way is they call 
And because the business didn't set up voicemail, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? People don't like leaving voicemails. People don't like responding to voicemails that much. Instead of connecting to someone, they'll just wait and wait and wait and wait for it to ring to connect someone, and they'll hang up. Those we consider just missed calls. We do have something in our metrics called abandoned, and that's just someone that called but didn't ring more than twice. Most likely those people will call back. They just probably thought they dialed the wrong number, hung up, and rechecked the number to make sure they dialed the right number. And they'll usually call back. There's also the busy, right? So if they reach your business and it gets a busy signal, there's no way to really follow back up with them if you don't have a process in place to capture that busy signal. Yeah, those are really interesting, each of those, because if, let's say, any of those is happening in abundance, as a marketer, I would be like, what kind of leads am I generating if everyone's abandoning? <laughs> you know what I mean? If they're constantly calling, ringing once and hanging up, it'd be a hard thing to assess. What in my marketing is triggering this weird behavior? Is it some easy to click call number that they realize, oops, I didn't mean to call. Like what, what's the cause? And that's difficult to unravel. Matt though, I wanted to ask you for the voicemails your team gets or for businesses that do have voicemails that they are getting or maybe have the same data that we're providing. Like here's the abandoned calls, here's the busy calls, here's those lost in IVR, or whatever. How do you think a business should approach calling those people back when you haven't actually had that first conversation yet? Yeah, so we have a process. Periodically throughout the day, we're clearing uh, the voicemails throughout there. We don't get a lot of voicemails because the coverage is actually really good with my team. Once we consolidated the inbound lead team with the outbound team, uh, the coverage has never been better. And it's simultaneously ringing to everybody's phone at the same time. One of them will get it usually. But it, if you know we've all gone home for the day or something happens overnight, that's top priority because those are people knocking on our door. We would put those at a higher priority than going out and knocking on somebody else's door. So we address those often and we address them with urgency. So the next one question I have for is for you, Ron, and it might sound like a simple question, but it's a little bit loaded, right? So what is so important? What is the value of a single phone call? Honestly, it's not that loaded because for simple terms that any organization can do is you take your average deal size. Any conversion that happens, you take that average size, multiply it by the number of missed calls you have. And yes, you're not closing 100% of those calls. So if you want to take that a step further, then of the calls that you are taking, what percentage of those are you closing? And right there, it really answers a few questions. The question it answers is, are we understaffed? If that number is big enough to justify the staffing, then you do so, certainly. And then there's other roles that th that person can do that are, contribute to the team. But this is where the budgeting and the deciding what the most important thing for the business is. Because obviously, reputation and, and sales, we talk about revenue in terms of an actual sales that takes place, but it's much larger than that, where it is your reputation. Because guess what? When I have a good experience with any organization, we all have different cell services. We all have different dentists. We all have different theme parks we go to. Whatever it is, when you have a good customer service experience or a good sales experience, I'm now telling my friends, whether it was good or bad, I'm bringing it up. I, I can quick, like uh, Tim said on the cell phone earlier, right? He can quickly go to another business. You know what else you can do quickly? You can quickly pull up that business and have a review. And people don't typically like to go write grand reviews about how wonderful their experience is. They want to go and talk about how negative it was because they're 
on fire in that moment. For simple math, yeah, take that average deal size, multiply it by the number of missed calls you have, and you really quickly start to see a number that actually is meaningful to your KPIs, to the organization's overhead, to commission. It adds up. That's right. We used to do that when we were doing finance reports. So we would tell, hey, look, we analyzed your calls for a month, right? You missed X amount of calls. Your closing percentage is X amount. So if we apply those numbers and annualize that, that's almost a person's salary. So when we go back, let's take a look at a couple action plans, right? You guys have missed call notifications on. Are you looking at hours and days and hours that you guys are missing the most of the calls? Because it could be a lunch staff. It could be they're calling more towards the end of the business hour or the business day. Maybe you just need to keep the staff longer. It, it could be an easy thing, but you just have to look at those metrics to, to mitigate these missed calls. That's going to lead us right into the next question I have for you, Tim, which is, okay, we talked about the ways you miss a call, let's say technologically, lost in IVR. Some op- to me, those are like operational process gaps that your business has and trying to get a person to the caller as fast as possible. Okay, now let's talk about the next leg. Your team is talking to people on the phone. The missed call at that point is either the person's an unfit, unqualified caller, right? So not necessarily missed, it's attended to, it's just not uh, a fit for the business to do business with. And then the rest of those are the miss, what we call mishandled, that bucket. So you want to comment a little bit on that and the different things that happen there? When we go into that, we talk about more about training, right? So marketing and everyone got the lead and the messaging correctly for the salesperson to tee it up for the salesperson to close the deal. So it's things that are said over the phone that causes that lead or that prospect not to agree to an appointment or not to come in. Most times it could be training or it could be just overcoming objections like, oh, what did you not like about, if I talk about the auto industry, what did you not like about the red Honda Civic? We have a blue Honda Civic with the same features, like just giving them different avenues to go down to get them to come into the dealership or to get them to, to set an appointment. Oh, sorry, nine doesn't work. Does 11 work for you the same day? Just other things to get them in. Okay, so Matt, you have a team of call handlers who may have just gone through similar things that Tim is describing here. It could be a lack of knowledge, a lack of training, lack of product knowledge. It could be a lot of things. How do you manage and help your teams overcome objections, overcome these things? And it's a very deep topic here. Is there anything you would maybe suggest to businesses who have call handlers, ways to help manage them so that they can be more successful? I think these calls that are coming in need to be quality controlled one way or another, right? So whether I'm doing it or whether I'm offloading it to our analysts, which I I am (laughs) for a lot of the inbounds that are coming in, but I do listen to a good portion of them too. And the way we have our scorecard designed, it's completely custom to what we do. It's essentially a yes or no question going down a list. It's not like they're reading off a list, but they're having a conversation. And there are things that we need to know about every single person calling in. Are they already a customer of ours? Start there. What is it that they're interested in? Are we able to meet whatever their needs are? The list goes on, but essentially you're grading this. If you make it as black and white as possible, you'll start identifying, okay, this person needs training help with this and this. And then if you have another person on your team that is really good at those two things, then you just pair them up. Hey, this is how I usually address that, or this is how I work this into my conversation. 
if something is uh, glaringly bad, I will talk with them about it and let them know, hey, you need to start asking for the person's title because it's a completely different conversation if we're talking to a marketing person or a sales guy. At that point, if it's a repeat thing, then you have to start going into, okay, hey, listen, if this doesn't get fixed, I'm just going to take you out of the rotation of people that pick up the phones until you have a chance to improve. It doesn't get much easier than picking up an inbound marketing lead. So I want to make sure that for the sake of us being able to field those and for you to get the ROI for the money you're spending on marketing, I want to make sure that we're handling every one of them, not cherry picking. Uh, this is a big one. I'm going to treat this one better. No, everyone gets the same treatment. Yeah, that's some really good advice for management to look at it. Between what's happening with the call handlers and the sales and generating a business, some of the costs that go into that are all the costs that have totaled up along the way. In terms of actual costs, there's the, the effort costs, there's the loss like Ron was describing of your brand reputation, there's experience lost if you're missing them at any point along the way. Of course, as well, if someone's not a fit, it's not necessarily the worst thing. It's still delivering a decent experience to them. Maybe we'll leave a lasting memory in case they become a fit later. But Ron, could you talk a little bit about the marketing costs that go into generating an ideal prospect caller who's calling a business, all the marketing that goes into that? Well, in addition to the losses or the missed call, there is things that are not really accounted for, but in the marketing spend, they would be. And part of that would be the waste of time. If a call is missed, aside from the actual physical cost of things, there's efficiency costs. And the efficiency cost becomes time wasted. And like I alluded to a little bit earlier, a referral. A referral is a, is a revenue loss. So that missed opportunity, that that's the cost of opportunity. So that opportunity cost of missing that call is adding up. And that isn't just in the ancillary ways. The things that go into it for each lead that you have to generate and you have to nurture and move them through the funnels, the additional costs that go into the demand generation into the lead generation, which takes time and energy because the second somebody finds out who we are through a Google organic search or through going to the website, filling out the form, the first thing we want to do is build a rapport. And that rapport can be automated through email or whatever. And that rapport and what we're trying to build is loyalty and trust and honesty. And that's what's happening if they're getting an email that's being sent to them. So conversely, when an email or when a telephone call comes in, we also want to relay that same rapport and relationship. If we burn that bridge right out of the gates, then we're off. And then now there is no retention. If it's a subscription-based service, like I know call sources, if you miss that call, that's a subscription service that you miss, which has you know customer lifetime value. It has the referrals. It has upsell opportunities. There's additional things. It's a domino effect of what could happen. Now, of course, I'm speaking in all of all the ways that that money and revenue and time and cost are applied to get that one lead. And these, this is a worst case scenario that you would lose all of those things from what an ideal customer we hope would be. But you're not getting, you're, you're getting none of that. You don't even have the opportunity to get any of that when you miss the call. The marketing costs are pretty vast. And not only that, it's the employees, the staff, the energies that they're putting into it. And it has to be that we've always talked about the sales and marketing relationship and the handoff and the synergy and all of those things that goes even into customer support. Cause in the subscription service, and I know Tim handles a lot of this is when accounts are calling in specifically for something, they could have been a customer for years, but you certainly like to make sure that when you have a problem, it is handled immediately. 
because that builds that rapport. And that is really the key to all of it is trust is just trusting a brand and understanding uh, that relationship is there on both ends. Right. And I, I, and to that point, I think it, like to think to put this in your mind, just the, the cost of chasing someone after you miss their call. I don't think anyone picks up a, a phone call right after you miss their call. It's resentment almost. It's getting someone to answer your call after you missed it. It's kind of hard, especially for a business. Well, they might be on the phone with your competitor. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to think about it. You would assume, I would assume that though, right? If we botch one really bad, I would assume that the next thing they're doing in spite of us is going after one of our competitors. Absolutely. So a, a, another way to put this in perspective on the marketing cost side is that there is, this is a good place to start. There are visitors to your website. This is a global metric, an average two and a half or something percent of visitors to a website convert. So if we just round that to 2%, that means 98% of visitors to your website are not converting in that moment, in that session. That's a huge, that's a lost opportunity for marketing right there. If they were converting 100%, imagine the insanity of that. So marketing is dealing with this severe loss of just the visitors up front, which means the 100% of the cost going in to generate those visitors is effective at generating only 2% into conversions of those total visitors. The handoff between the lead to sales, marketing to sales, is I think right now sitting at about 50% efficiency, meaning the marketing side, handing it over to the call, the sales, the support side, anything that takes that lead that marketing produced, 50% of the time it's successful. It's half the time it's not. So if you had 100 people to the site and you dwindled down to two who converted, and then only one of them ended up in the hands of a salesperson. Now we're talking, now we're really dwindling, right? Then the next leg of that is, okay, now there's the follow-up. Now there's the communication and of industries are all over the place, but the effectiveness of the initial call to an appointment could be between 20 and 30% or something like that. Maybe it's higher in your industry, but from that point, it dwindles even down further. From there, they have to actually buy, which is, I think on average between 10 and 15% appointment or call to sale from that. So it dwindles again. <laughs> so we're talking like a huge diminished number from the beginning that's now resulted in just a tiny little sliver of people at the end. And consider on top of all of that, we know out of the gates as a pretty general rule of thumb that 80% of all business, regardless of if you can go to a website and just order, 80% of all business actually takes place over the phone. So that just goes to show you where the priority should be. Yeah, that's true. So adding one additional call is a substantial savings for the marketing team from having to generate another call just like it. <laughs> it's, it's, if it's 5,000 visitors down to 100, which is 2%, converting to 50, they could hand it over to 10 or 12 that end up <laughs> in a conversation to two that end up uh, buying. That's substantial if you can add another number there. So it's it, in terms of the marketing cost savings here, we're talking huge things. For, for the salesperson, for the sales, for your revenue, it means one more sale. But in another way of looking at it is one less entire chunk of your marketing budget that has to be dedicated to generating that next call. Tim, you did mention something and I thought it'd be a good point to uh, reiterate on, which is the follow-up, that post-call leg, chasing them, you described it. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about 
what that entails or how they would even know to chase after someone? Like, how would they even know that something was missed or lost or something? How would a business go about figuring that out? And then how would they go about following up with them? With our technology, with the call sources technology, we do send out missed call notifications. For that side, it's more of, did you not answer the phone if you didn't want to send you an email or a notification saying, hey, this person tried to call at this time. For those action plans, I always tell the customers, hey, let's have someone dedicated responding back to those guys. Hey, we're really sorry, Mr. Call, but it's got to be quick. It can't be the next day because as soon as the next day, they've already called someone else. They've at least called three other people. Let's just assume that. So if you can get them as quickly back as possible, which I call it the chase, right? You got to chase them. You might get a better chance of getting them to come back to your business and re-engage them. Okay. So in terms of effectiveness, Matt, how successful has your team been with the follow-up stage? Because I think people think, well, when someone calls a business, that's my only chance to really do business with them, you know, to, to make the sale, to get them to come in, to book an appointment, whatever it is. But there is a lot of opportunity in the follow-up, but it maybe not be as easy there. So what is the what kind of effectiveness and what kind of stuff are you seeing in the follow-up space? Yeah. So get them on. I think everybody on this recording knows that at, with the passage of time, the more time that goes by, the less likely you are to get these people back on the phone, right? And do business with them subsequently. We, we strike hard and we strike fast and relentlessly follow up with the calls that we miss. If it's something that we have, con anything we have control over, even past inquiries, we'll revisit past inquiries because those are still better than a lot of people who haven't had any interaction with us at all. Even if they are a dream customer, si dream size business, it's the people that came to us for help, but for whatever reason, we couldn't deliver it. There's a little bit of automation that takes place. Obviously, you help on the drip marketing side of things. But yeah, that's a priority. The whole idea is as quickly as possible. Ron, do you have any ideas around how marketing can try to generate better quality, higher fit? leads into the business so they're not dealing with so many, let's say, unfit? That's a great question and right on cue for what I wanted to comment on the heels of what Matt was just saying as it relates to the reminder for the from the marketing automation side of things that once we qualify them and hand them the sales and once they're accepted by sales, for all intents and purposes, marketing's kind of out of it. We don't really know what's going on until it gets to closed one or closed lost. So the importance is understanding why it was lost. It was one, fantastic. But if it was lost, understanding how it was lost, why it was lost, whatever indications that we can get, because now there's a different nurture path. In this case, it would be a nurture of what the objection was, and then we can approach that and address that. And that's how we, that's how the marketing sales relationship is really important is when they're letting us know so we can try to fix it the best way that we can. And on the other end of that is when they come in, I think we're in alignment when we talk about aggressive marketing, where I'm not a volume marketer per se, I'm a quality marketer. So I will let them go through the nurture and provide them with as much information as I can. I want them to ask us to reach out to them or to contact them, or they can directly reach out to us rather than just trying to qualify them on a score. I'm not really a big fan of that sort of thing. However, if it works for your business, it works for your business. But to qualify them better for sales on the front end is asking sales, what is your ideal customer? Depends on your organization, but I, understanding the ideal customer, breaking it down to as many personas as you possibly can and verticals, 
personalization is huge. We want to do that by building that relationship right out of the gates. The second they do anything, we already know their first names and we can even put that in the subject line. We do whatever we need to do to build that relationship so that by the time they're nurtured into passing to sales, they've asked us to speak to sales. So whatever we can do to best put that on, I call it a silver platter to hand it to sales. And then, like I said, we lose, we lose that, that, information until they come back to us. We don't really know what happens on in most cases. So to provide forms and provide questions that the sales provided to marketing and what information they need and then putting that there and asking them to provide it to us so they can move on to, to get a free downloadable piece of content that applies to them, things of that nature. Those are all really good ideas that we've all implemented and tested and it makes a big difference to close that feedback loop, especially on what's happening to the leads that we're generating. And the closer and faster the time is there, the faster you can react. The speed to reaction on everything we're talking about here is a really big factor. So Tim, last bit here, is there anything else you wanted to add to this topic that we missed or that we haven't talked about yet? Is there anything that you wanted to say or bring up? Yeah, I, yeah, I just want to circle back. I know we were talking about missed calls. But we also talked about missed calls on missed opportunities. We talk about missed opportunities here at CallSource. We do have a deal saver and lead saver program. So if we know, if someone's listening to calls and knows that someone fumbled the call, we can send an alert to you or whoever. But the idea is the person that calls back isn't the person that fumbled the call. You want to make sure that you send that, that missed opportunity back to someone that you know is a proven closer, right? You don't want to send it back to Tim, who just fumbled the call. Like that person's like, I just talked to you. What are you going to do for me now? Right. So you want to send it back to, to Matt or to Kevin. It's like, Hey, we understand you're looking for some service. And I know we didn't meet your limited needs. How can we help you? Right. It, just that follow up. That's a really interesting insight. I didn't think about that. <laughs> a different person following up, but it makes so much, makes a lot of sense. Even just when you get past a manager and you're like, oh yeah, now I'm talking to someone who knows what, you know, has some authority here. It can be something like that and it can be effective. So thanks, Tim. A quick summary here. I think to make this really concise, I think what we're trying to communicate to everybody is in your business, phone calls are absolutely valuable. It doesn't necessarily have to be a phone call. It could be a lead or a prospect or something that came in in any format. But a phone call is such an intimate experience and can leave such a lasting impression that every phone call is so valuable. <laughs> the second thing, call handlers are not perfect. They're not impervious to missing stuff. Systems aren't perfect. People get lost in IVR, meaning they get lost pressing the one or press two for sales or press three for support or press four for this. They get lost there. It happens. People miss fumble, like mishandle, fumble calls all the time. There could be a lot of stuff going on in somebody's life. They could literally have just stepped up to go to the restroom and a call comes and bang, something can happen, right? So that's going to happen. You can't prevent a hundred percent of the calls or the leads or the things from being missed. It just happens. It plagues every business everywhere. So coming up with a plan of this is what I'm going to do for the stuff I get. But maybe it's worth suggesting here that there's value in coming up with something to account for the stuff that gets missed. And like Matt was saying, they may, it may be hard to chase after them, but there's value there. And it's sometimes better than going after people. You, you might have the luxury of not needing to follow up, but there's so much more value there that why wouldn't you want to attempt it and give it a try, give it a whirl and see if it'll help you grow your business and put someone better on it, like Tim suggested. And like Ron said, really consider 
the full cost that it's having on the marketing side of generating stuff that just goes into the ether, that goes into the place where your business doesn't touch it ever again. So thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I hope you guys got a lot out of this and what the costs are, especially the painful reality of it for some businesses, as Ron said, how you can do that function of average deal size and how important every single call is in your business. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Good session.